What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Blazers Edge Podcast. I am your host, Danny Morang, and we're doing this one following the Blazers' loss to the Charlotte Hornets on Sunday night. Uh, I was planning on doing a podcast. Uh, I was going to do a little bit more tighter form, um, but... Well, considering the run of play, I uh, didn't get a podcast in last week because we'll have everything going on in the world. Uh, if you followed on Twitter, you probably know I was busy dealing with COVID nonsense as far as getting a vaccine and not getting one. And so it kind of threw a uh, wrench and everything. But regardless, uh, we're back. Uh, and instead of, you know, trying to tackle this exact topic, that exact topic, I figured I'd throw a little bit of grab bag, uh, last second mailbag, and you guys, you guys came through. So um a lot of questions tonight and what i'm gonna do is like i literally just walked in the door and uh threw on some comfy clothes and get ready to tuck in to uh kind of go through the questions we got here and i'm gonna try to proofread these in in real time so uh if i start reading one of yours and then i stop it's because i've either already hit it or uh it's wild so (laughs) i'm just gonna kind of go through and get these taken care of and well, we'll kind of sort through where we are and what's going on. And I don't know. Maybe it'll be therapeutic. Uh, maybe not for you. Maybe I'm not going to help you at all. Maybe I'm just going to exacerbate issues. I'm, I'm going to just kind of give you as bluntly honest assessment as I can to, of your questions, and we'll go from there. So we'll uh, we'll get going here. Uh, first one I got here is from Bradstreet Racing at Bob Bradstreet. I know you're not. Uh, I understand you are not a fire to your stats. Come my issues with free agents usually not wanting to come to Portland unless traded here. Bang a mellow type situation when you develop our younger players just refuses to give them consistent run and keep them involved even when they struggle. I am not a not fire stats guy. I am a don't fire your coach while you have the leader's ear uh, kind of guy. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. I. That situation may have been changing. Um, not necessarily the part about the leader's ear, but the locker's ear. Um, and I think that might be something we'll take a bigger look at, especially with these final 16 games. But um, the free agency thing is, I don't think it's necessarily a coaching thing. Uh, I think that's a bigger issue of a massive tax bracket um, compared to the rest of the NBA. The only teams with higher ones, I believe, are California um, and Toronto. One of those is another country. The other one has the highest tax bracket in the country. Uh, the difference being in California, even in the smaller markets, you can usually make up for those in marketing deals uh, and endorsements or things of that nature. And you live in California and not Oregon. Don't shoot the messenger. Listen, just a lot of 20-something single uh, rich, wealthy people don't want to live in Portland, Oregon. Um, throw in that the population's 90% white, and, well, there you go. I hate to burst some bubbles, but that's that plays a larger role in free agency. Um, I get the larger point about um, developing younger players. Here's the caveat. How many of those younger players have gone somewhere else and done something? I argue Will Barton being the only one, and he wasn't really given the chance to develop here. He was traded away. That's That's about it. Everybody else has been about what is expected. So I think Portland does as well as can be expected with developing players. Uh, all of their lottery picks, Sands, Myers, and Zach, have hit. Um, obviously, one of them is Damian Lillard, and he's maybe arguably the best player in this franchise's history. CJ's a very solid player. Um, and then the guys that they have drafted outside of the lottery have, for the most part, done pretty well. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. was a second-round draft pick 
and they, you know, were able to flip him, uh, you know, to for, for Norman Powell. Uh, Pat Conton, rotation player. Jake Lehman, rotation player. Uh, I think if the, something I was talking to somebody about tonight is that Anthony Simons has already logged more minutes before 22 years old than Damian Lillard ever will or ever would. And that's the thing is that Ant is still incredibly young. Nasir Little is still incredibly young. Raw players that uh, it's going to be five, six, seven years before we know what these guys really are. It's wild to think about how young they really are, regardless of their years of experience already. Uh, Nas being basically a year and a half, two years and, and at three. Um, anybody who's listened to me for any period of time knows I'd rather see those guys out there than a 17 year vet. And yes, I'm talking about Carmel Anthony. Um, I, I don't, I don't believe in, in dedicating those kind of minutes to anybody, not even Carmelo Anthony. Um, the only way I could ever get behind something like that is if somebody has a lot more equity within this franchise, i.e. if it was LaMarcus Aldridge would have returned. I could at least see that. I, if you squint hard enough, I could go, okay, there's a tried and true relationship between Dame and, and LaMarcus, and you could go, okay, I, I get it. But I also think he would also know um, where the, the boundaries are in that, in that situation. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I definitely think they need to lean more on the young guys. There, there's no doubt about that. And especially right now, uh, I think it's better for the team going forward. But the bigger situation is um, where are they right now? What issues are they really dealing with, um, whether it be coaching, whether it be locker room stuff, personnel, uh, fit, COVID, the world as a whole, um, tiredness, injuries. There's a lot of stuff going on. And again, these aren't ex- these aren't excuses. Um, it doesn't excuse it. It just paints and frames the the situation that they're currently in. So I think that's something that you have to take under consideration. Um, I hope I answered that as well as you wanted. But that's kind of where I'm sitting right now. I, I, I for most of the part, I agree as far as developing young players. I just don't necessarily agree about the free agency stuff and and necessarily being tied to coaches. So. Um, from Joseph Steckman at Steckman Jr. Can you talk us off the ledge of the Blazers doomed to either miss the playoffs or get crushed in the first round? I'm not talking to anybody on off, off any ledges. I, I didn't think this, that team was this that great to begin with this season. Uh, I'm not celebrating the fact that they're struggling right now by any by any means either. Um, I <laughs> quick peek behind the curtain. It's not fun to do a podcast or a TV show or to write about a bad team. It's not. Uh, it's. It's very frustrating. In fact, I, Joe and I have talked about this a lot. It is so much more fun to do a show after a win. Um, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just the nature of the beast. So I, I don't enjoy the fact that I was quote unquote quasi right about this team having some issues and having some holes. Um, but the flip side is as far as I don't think they're doomed to miss the playoffs. There's, there's a caveat to that. If they are one, two, three Cancun mentally, they could miss the playoffs. These next 16 games, going 500 would be a success, legitimately. And I think you could say that if things were going well. Their, their schedule is brutal going forward. Um, if you've watched the postgame show recently, you know they have those three games against Memphis. They have the one easy game against the Cavs. Otherwise, it's, it's full steam ahead against some really good teams. And what may work out for them, if they can get their stuff together, is... The back three games, Phoenix, Denver, and Utah. My camera, I think it's Utah, Phoenix, Denver, I think is the order. Um, their seating might be secured, and those coaches may just say, pack it up, and the Blazers might have a chance. They might, 
here's the flip side. Those teams in, in, in those ranges would risk seeing the Blazers over Memphis, over Dallas, over Golden State, um, one of those teams in a play-in scenario at the top, as opposed to sending Portland to play either of the Los Angeles teams. So, remains to be seen in that regard. We will know where this team is when they get back, or actually, really by the time they play Memphis, uh, all those three times. I think at that point in time, we will know if they are checked out, if they are done, if they don't know which way they're going, if they've managed to bail enough water to make it make sense. I don't know if there's necessarily enough that they can do between now and then to to right the ship. They could maybe save it from sinking before the end of the season. But I think regardless of what happens, they're probably still a first round out. I, I, I said best case scenario is this team making the second round coming into the season. I didn't think they made an, enough moves to, to really justify anything beyond that, and even if things lined up well for them. So that's kind of where I'm sitting. Uh, Aaron Lepresti, uh, at Aaron Lepresti, this, uh, this team cannot lose a game like this in this way and be considered serious playoff contenders. I have no explanation why, but they are seriously underachieving right now. I, I don't know if they're underachieving right now. And I know that sounds crazy. Let me reel this back a little bit. One, it has to do with where I placed this team coming into the season, which I said they would be somewhere around sixth. I just said, you know, it's the best team Dame's ever had. Overall, yeah, it's post-LaMarcus. But they're still missing a second All-Star. Like, they're still missing that guy. Like, that matters. Beyond that, I would argue that it's a... They're achieving about what we expected them to. They're just doing it in a very boring and bland way. And by that, I mean, with the exception of tonight against the Hornets, they are winning games that they should win and losing games we expect them to. Which is different from the past when they would get games against good teams and then inexplicably drop eggs against really bad teams. They would look past them. Tonight you can paint the well they didn't have Dame. Well, the Hornets didn't have they're probably their two of the three best players. <laughs> so eh, I don't think you can really use that as an excuse. I understand the underachieving part, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of people bought into this team being better than they are. Or the idea of this team, and it points to Individually looking at each player. Damian Lillard, very good player. MVP caliber. CJ McCollum, pretty solid player. Yusuf Nurkic, pretty solid player. Robert Covington, the best team defender this team has had. Uh, Derek Jones Jr., wildly athletic, covers up for a lot of holes. Uh, now you have Norman Powell. You've got Anthony Simons. You've got Carmelo Anthony. You've got Ennis Cantor. I would argue that the sum of those parts is less effective than the idea of the sum of those parts. And that was always my thought coming into this season because they still didn't address the point of attack. They still didn't address their playmaking. They just window-dressed the things that they were already good at, and they got a little bit better in areas that, while they needed improvement, other things needed to be addressed before that. And I think that's what... I think that's part of the conflict and the frustration and the fact that they're they're getting hammered. And the the, the scoreline tonight was not indicative of the, the run of play. Carmelo Anthony 
running off a couple threes, already down 20 to close the gap to just under 10, does not show how crappy this Blazers team played tonight. It was wildly selfish. It was listless. If it was effortless. Um, a lot of negative connotation about the game. I, I watched that. And I just sat there. Just especially in that first half, they did not play for each other on either end. That ball stuck and stopped wildly. And before everybody starts hammering on coaching, that's not a coaching issue per se. That's I think that's more indicative of the current state of the culture. And if you want to say that's a coaching issue, okay. But I think that the the bigger issue there is guys aren't on the same page. And historically, that has not been the issue here. Um, uh, Adam Antium. At, at, Adam Antium. Adam Antium. Okay, cool. I'll go with that. Uh, if Portland were to treat CJ in the offseason, what kind of team would benefit from getting him, even if they sent back less value? Since most teams in the NBA with cap space are in full rebuild mode, CJ probably doesn't help them in ways they want right now. If you're trading CJ McCollum, you're likely trading him to a team that needs on-ball shot creation. If I'm looking at those teams... New Orleans, Boston, uh, Indiana, uh, Orlando, but they always need that, and they don't have any parts left that you care about outside of Jonathan Isaac, and he ain't getting moved. <sighs> that's probably it. You could say Philadelphia as well. Um, that's kind of what you're what you're looking for. I mean, the ideal scenario is CJ and probably a lot more um, for Jalen Brown. With Boston, I think that that benefits both teams incredibly well. Um, Zach Levine's not going to sign or opt into his deal with Chicago, so he's going to become a free agent. So maybe you put together CJ and bring back Markkanen and Levine um, with the idea that Levine agrees to an extent uh, a new deal on the back end uh, quietly. Um, but yeah, you're, you're, those are, I think are the kind of teams you're looking at. You're you're looking for teams that are trying to trend upwards, so to make a change and make a fit. Uh, in that regard, and that are kind of missing that lead playmaking shot creation element. So it's a tight needle of thread. There's no doubt about it. But I think if you're if you're the Blazers, that's the way you look. Um, Bobby at Bobby Van D22. Any chance Olshay falls in the sword with thoughts? I can't take another year of this stale team coming back. I think that's a sentiment that we're going to get a ton of here in these questions as I just kind of skim through these. Um, uh, we'll get to it now. If you caught the podcast I did with Wheels the other day, uh, I have moved to the point of I, I believe Terry Stotts is probably done at this point. I it's very hard for me to see a way from him coming back. Um, there have been too many performances where they have cared too little, and you, you can't in the NBA you can't go straight to the players. You can't. A coach has to fall on that sword no matter what. Uh, that's that's the politics of the situation, whether it, that is the way it should be or shouldn't be, or that's the current situation here or it's not. That is always it. The coach is always the first to go. Um, if you look back over history, the way it goes is coach first, then second or third tier player, and then GM or president of basketball operations. Uh, in this instance with Olshay. I don't think the Blazers are going to, and this I say Blazers' ownership, is going to pay both Stotts and Olshay's contract out for another year uh, by firing them. 
so I think what will end up happening is you'll see Stotts be replaced in the offseason. And yes, I think he'll make it to the offseason. There's just no reason to to do anything with it now. Uh, this isn't worth saving. <laughs> I'll just say that. Uh, the situation, is, I think, is a lot worse than just a coaching change. Um, so, no, I don't, I don't think they're going to be willing to pay both a coach and a GM or president in this, in this, in this world uh, to not do their jobs. So, ultimately, I think it'll be a prove-it year for, for Olshay. Uh, they'll make a change of the coach, and then we'll see what happens. I think that they're, they'll take a look pretty seriously at personnel in the offseason. One, because they should. Two, because they'll have to with the way the accounting lines up after the Norman Powell or the Gary Trent Jr. for Norman Powell trade. Uh, we'll kind of see where that goes. All right, this one is one. We've got a ton tonight. Uh, forgive me, it is a million degrees in here because my AC uh, decided to stop working in the, the hottest day of the year so far. So daddy's got to wet his throat. All right, so Cameron at J Cameron H89. Why did Derek Jones get benched? Did Portland hurt their flexibility by promising Melo to not be benched even when he's hurting us on defense? That's, due to, that's a two-parter. So the Derek Jones Jr. thing, um, how, do I, how do I go through this piece by piece? As I understand it, certain things were said to Derek Jones Jr., to sway his opinion in, in free agency to come to Portland, to allow him to express his game, to develop, and to do some things. Discussions were had. Uh, things agreed to Derek ultimately signs in Portland. And then Norman Powell is traded to Portland for Gary Trent Jr. And at that time, I believe Derek Jones Jr.'s camp still was under the impression that Derek would start. Discussions take place, yada, yada, yada. Uh, he will come off the bench. I, I don't know what came of that. I don't want to his reactions to that. Again, this is this is all things that I've I have heard through hearsay. So I am just passing this along and, and, and caveating it as, as as I understand it. So um as far as tonight goes, the understanding is that the Blazers wanted to get a look at Rondé Hollis Jefferson before his second ten day ended up before because they need to carry 14 players to sign him for the rest of the season. That's all well and good. However, I don't think to get a look at Rondé Hollis Jefferson that Derek Jones Jr. needs to get a DNP. And if you caught the postgame press conference from Terry Stotts, he was asked about this, and his response was something that came along the lines of, I don't want to disparage Derek, so I'm not going to say anything. That, to me, means if you're going to say something, you're going to say something disparaging, which leads to other issues. So, a couple things here. I do not believe that the crux of the issues is Derek Jones Jr. Um, but, I think that that current situation is having, amplifying issues that may be existing within the locker room to begin with. The other part of that question is, obviously, the um, do you think promises like that become kind of an issue and I don't know if that's necessarily the case I think for me it's I don't think he's promised to not be benched even when he's hurting us the discussion is that you're not going to hurt his legacy and not hurting his legacy means not making him look bad I think he does enough of that on his own so there's your prum bum 
Uh, it's, it's no secret what I think of Carmelo Anthony's play with, with the Portland Trailblazers. They needed him last year uh, to salvage what was a, a bad year. Um, I, I didn't want him re-signed this year because a lot of the, th- the issues that have propped up have, well, you, you can see the neon sign. I mean, it, it, was, it was always there. It was always going to happen. So flip side of this is making those promises to veterans. That's how the Blazers got Rodney Hood. That's how they got Ennis Cantor. That's how they've manipulated some things in the past to get guys to come here. That's how they got Derek Jones Jr. to come here. So, <coughs> excuse me, when, you're, <clears throat> when you are a smaller market and you do struggle with those free agents, you do have to make those promises from time to time. Oh, excuse me. With that in mind, I think they need to be a little more litigious in how they in who, how they make those decisions and who they make them for. I think that's the bigger issue. All right. So I refreshed my timeline. It screwed up the order. So I'm going to scroll back here uh, and make sure I'm not missing any. Um, all good at Julio Cantu. The playoffs start tomorrow. Name your preferred eight-man rotation. Who would you put on the floor? At this point, I'm very unsure of who I'd put that myself, and I get the sense that the team stats isn't sure either. Seems like they've been trying a lot of rotations. Yeah. So, Dame, CJ, Powell, Covington, Nurk. That's your five. Uh, next man up, obviously, is probably going to be Cantor. And then, for me, Anton Nasir. For what Stotts will do, Melo will be out there. Probably Melo and Nasir. Ant being the ninth man. Probably the reality of that. Beyond that, uh, I don't know. Does it does it really does it really matter in that regard? You know, it's one of those situations where I don't know. It's it's frustrating to the point where we can't even really look forward to the playoffs um, right now. But I, I think that's probably your eight man. Um, but even then. Between Dame, CJ, and Norm, those are all of the minutes at the one and two, and half the minutes at the three, probably. Um, Nurk and Cantor eat up pretty much all of your center minutes, and whatever isn't there will be taken by Covington slash Mello, depending on how you put the lineup out there. And then Mello probably still gets 20-ish minutes. You probably get 12 or so in a seer. I mean, that's then when you start doing the math, it's, there's not a, a much left after that. So you're probably leaning at 38 for Damon, CJ, and Powell, 34 to 36 for Covington. Then you get 24 each for Nurk and Cantor. Not a whole lot of minutes left. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of where I, where I sit. And I think it has less to do with them being unsure and more to do with um, some internal stuff. That's, that's kind of what I'd land on. Uh, chances this week they put Tibbetts in charge for the rest of the season and send Stotts on an early summer vacation. Zero. Zero percent. I, I, barring a catastrophic breakdown in the locker room, there's just no reason. Because they're still in the hunt for the playoffs. And they do not, unless, again, they have totally lost the locker room. And I should say, Stotts has totally lost the locker room, and by virtue of that, Damian Lillard. There's, they're not going to do that because why? Well, money mostly. Uh, those those playoff games, they're still worth millions of dollars, and sacrificing a coaching change right now for literally no reason other than to say we fired our coach during the season, which 
Hooray. Congratulations. I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't save anything. It doesn't change anything. Um, so, yeah, I, I would put that at a zero. Again, with the caveat being something would have to go sideways. And here, maybe before I get to the next question, I hope something goes sideways in the sense of somebody snapping out of it and chewing somebody's butt hard. I hope we hear about a locker room fight. I hope we hear, you know, a mic picks up somebody screaming somewhere and chewing somebody out. I hope somebody puts somebody's finger in somebody's chest and thumps at him and says, what the hell are you doing uh, on the floor? I want there to be a breaking point emotionally, mentally, to where it does seep out. It can be a good thing. It can be cathartic. It can be a moment of, that you look back on. It could also be toxic as hell. And that's, I think, the risk. But I think they're at the point where they need something like that. Like something, because right now they look like they don't care. And that's so much worse than not liking each other. Not liking each other. A lot of a lot of good teams didn't like each other. I mean, in, in recent memory, uh, Warriors didn't like each other. <laughs> a lot of stuff going on in that locker room. Uh, a lot of different agendas. A lot of different problems. But they won, baby, and that's that's really the mo of the of the NBA. Is that happens a lot. Um, not caring. That's bad organizations. That's how you end up like the Knicks or the Kings. That's just the honest truth. Um, when you get used to losing and you don't get any emotion out of anybody and you just accept it, that's when it becomes a problem. Uh, this is more of a statement more than anything else, but thoughts can't recover from this and everyone knows it. Probably right. Barring, yeah, honestly, we were discussing this earlier. Even a Western Conference Finals run would be dicey. Like I'd still be like, eh, I can see them making a change. So, Clay Hardy at underscore Clay Hardy. I got no questions left, just anger. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I don't necessarily. <coughs> oh, sweet allergies. Awesome. Sorry about that if I blew out your eardrums. I'll try to let that one out. Um, but I got no questions left, just anger, Clay Hardy. I, I get it. I get the idea. I get the frustration. I get, like, some people feel like they were sold a bill of goods that isn't necessarily ending up for it. And I, I get the frustration um, about that. So, yeah, no, event out. Um, there's still 16 games left. There's still uh, a story to be written. It doesn't mean it's going to necessarily be good. It could be bad. It could be sour. But it could also be the beginning of something new and that you, you get a, a lot of changes. So, you'll be interested to see. Uh, hardest part of being a Twitter personality. That's in quotes. In this current Blazers funk, funk from Blazer uh, Blazer Tag Podcast at Blazer Tag PDX. Um, I mean, I'm not necessarily a personality. I just say what I think, and I just happen to have a TV show and a podcast. So, I don't know. For me, it's nothing new. Um, the whole idea of this team kind of running up against it, running into a ceiling. It's kind of something I, I've sat on for five years. So um, I'm kind of glad that it's coming to a head. Not that it's not that they're playing poorly, but that it might spur change. I think that's that's ultimately where I'm where I'm, I find myself landing um, more often than not. At least that's what I try to tell myself. Because if not, then what what the hell was all this for? So I think that's that's ultimately where I find myself right now. Um. At Chargers with a lot of R's. Oh, no, never mind. It's just two R's. I just can't see because I'm squinting. 
Uh, is this team parting before some of these games or what? I mean, it'd be a lot cooler if they were, let's be honest. At least you'd have an excuse then. So, but I don't think that's the case. Uh, they, they'd probably look a little more ragged. Uh, let's see, at Jeremy Crick, or excuse me, Jeremy Crickle at Strife-y, Strife-y, Strife-y? I don't know. In your opinion, what's the best possible move Blazers can make this offseason? We have talked about CJ for Ingram being possible. I don't think that straight trade is possible. In fact, I would almost guarantee that's not possible. But I like where your head's at. What other player do you think want them to go for that feels plausible? Obviously, Beeler or Cat can become available, but not possible without major help. Listen, uh, Cat is probably unattainable. Sans trading Davey Lillard. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just the reality. Um, Beal, probably pretty close to the same. Not not quite there, but pretty close. Um, I had a list, and I, well, you know what? I think I have my phone. I do. Uh, let's see. I I made a quick list of players that I think make the most sense for the Blazers, and of that list, probably three are attainable. That's Levine, Jalen Brown, and Brandon Ingram. The Blazers would need to get help in that regard. But I think those are three guys are not necessarily game changing, especially with Levine. I think you're taking a chance with Ingram. Jalen, I think is the, the perfect player for the Blazers right now. Um, that's, that's the one that I target, but it's probably going to cost you CJ and Nurk, if I'm being honest for Jalen. And even then that might not be enough. So, but those are, those are the wings that I'm kind of looking at. Um, that's the, I think the move, I mean, you could pray that, the 76ers flame out hard and they have to do a, a radical reset and you can send CJ plus for Simmons. I think that's another really good fit. Uh, he's basically the supersized version of Draymond Green, which is exactly what the Blazers need. Um, but yeah, I think those are kind of the moves that we're looking at. Uh, here's the other, I think, big question that I, I've seen kind of pop up here a lot. This is from Janelle Boyer, at Janelle Boyer. I'm wondering which player would be a better fit alongside Dame going into next season, CJ or Norm? Uh, if you've caught the show recently, Joe and I have kind of hit on this a little bit. I very much believe that Norman Powell is a better fit next to CJ McCollum. He's also probably going to be cheaper. So, better fit, better defender, and less expensive. That's a perfect world fit <laughs> for a move going into the offseason. I would very much like them to do that. Here's something you have to consider. If they sign Powell early in free agency, if they haven't already agreed to something on the back end, other teams are going to know that you have to move CJ and what that does to his value could be a problem. It's already going to be difficult probably to find a landing space for him that makes sense for the Blazers. There's plenty of other teams that would like to have CJ. It's just what the price is going to be. But ultimately, I like Norm's fit better for, for two reasons. Now, actually, probably three. One, he's a much better defender. And he competes harder than, than CJ does. Norm is a complete a-hole. And I mean that in the most complimentary manner. If you watch, if you just watch every camera cut, and the cool thing about being in the studio is we get the other truck feed so I can see the, all the different angles. Anytime that man makes a mistake or doesn't make the right play, 
there is nobody harder on on himself than Norman Powell. And he channels that anger into another possession, into another possession, into another possession. He just gets after it and plays pissed off, and I love it. I love a guy that wears a little bit of emotion on his sleeve. You you mix that in with that he can create his own shot, that he can shoot from three, although he's been struggling recently, but historically, good enough. Uh, he's great in transition, which the Blazers have been missing for years, and he can put the ball on the floor and get to the rim with ease, finish, and generate free throws. Those are gaping holes in CJ's game. CJ's one of the worst free throw generators of 20-point scorers in NBA history. He doesn't get to the rim effectively, nor does he finish there effectively. The fact that they can get that in a guy in Norman Powell, even if it costs them some shot creation, some mid-range shot making and shot taking, I think the fit is better next to Damian Lillard. Um, let's see. B. Williford at 78, D.B. Dub. Any early indication if, on if Norman Powell will want to re-sign with Portland over the summer? I have zero insight into that. I have no idea. I, nothing. So, I can't imagine things are going swimmingly, though. I mean, Toronto wasn't a great place, but he was living in Tampa Bay in that regard. <laughs> Uh, that's that's tax-free money for the year in Florida, so cheers to that. Also, uh, probably a little bit nicer to come home to a place in Tampa Bay than in Portland right now. I mean, don't get me wrong, the weather's been great, but um, it's not, not exactly great vibes from the team. So, uh, yeah, I would imagine things aren't going great. That's just, again, my two cents. Um, from at Rip City Stand, Trailblazer Stand, serious question, would missing the playoffs be what the Blazers organization needs to do to, to excuse me, needs to do to make either a office move or coaching move or some major shift in how they play? Number one, we kind of already addressed this. I believe the coaching change is probably going to happen. I don't believe the organizational move is going to really happen, uh, i.e. with Olshay. Uh, the personnel move, I believe, is pretty likely to happen. Uh, I, I don't think they can get that any further than they are without doing that. I think that's what I said made sense. Um, that's, that's kind of the, the position that I, I think they're in right now. When I look at this team, um, I just, I don't, I don't think they're in a great place. Um, I don't think that this is something that they can try to sell. You know, in the past, the 2019 season, well, they made the Western Conference Finals, da, 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 so you don't need to make a change. Uh, last year was injury, so you, you don't need to make a change. This year, you, you could have sold it as injuries if they didn't win enough games as they did with CJ Nurk out. But now that people are back, you can't go, well, now it's 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 not that. It's, it's actually okay. So I would imagine that things on multiple levels have run their course and that we're in for some bigger than than usual changes uh and with that i'm gonna wrap it up because oh i've got to edit this and it's late and uh it's gonna be an early morning thank you everybody who got questions in i hope i did enough as far as answering it was what you're looking for um i'm i had some breakdown videos that i was gonna do but i i'll be honest i i, I think that there, there's not a lot of point in doing them right now so they're in like half finished status because i think there's bigger issues with this team than taking a look at Hey, uh, my guy Ant uh, was showing some different things, or Norman Powell was really good at the point of attack defensively, and here's why. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll get more into that stuff 
um, if we see something more from this team. But right now, it's it's these are broader, bigger questions, I think, than anything else. And I think that's kind of the, the issue I'm going to stick with. Uh, I will do a quick promo plug here. Uh, Dave got a chance to sit down with uh, the one and only Ben Golliver, um, the friend, the homie, and talk about his new release, uh, Bubble Ball. And uh, if you can, get out there, pre-order it, take a look at it. Ben was was very, very excited to write the book, uh, to have experienced the, uh, the, the bubble itself, something that not a ton of people got to do. Uh, and Ben was one of the very few uh, that was there the entire time. Um, so his, his insight there is going to be, is going to be pretty cool. I've got my advanced copy that, which shout out to, to Ben, uh, for getting me a copy. It's, that's the, I guess the one cool thing about, not one of the, the one cool thing, one of many cool things about, uh, having known Ben for a very long time. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to read it, but go, go, definitely go check that out for this podcast. Uh, please like rate review, subscribe. Thank you to everybody who's been patient with me. I know the, the episodes have been few and far between recently. Um, that's life right now. So. Uh, I'm trying to get back more in the groove of doing this. Uh, and as we get closer to the end of the season, when the off season, we'll stop, we'll definitely ramp up the off season content and kind of go from there. Um, again, thank you so, 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 so very much, uh, for downloading, for listening, for being a part of this. Um, uh, it's never lost to me how every time I think, Oh, it's not that big a deal. And I get so much feedback, Hey, you know, where's the podcast and miss you. Here's got some questions for you. It is incredibly cool. Uh, let me just say that it is, I, I don't know how to say it other than thank you. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week. I'll probably do a, uh, a midweek uh, one. Uh, just kind of see where things are at. A little check-in uh, after the Memphis games, and we'll kind of go from there. Thank you so, so, so very much. We'll catch you guys next week. See you later. Bye. Look, I don't play. I got woes. I got God. I got hope. I got soul in my home. I got G. That's my bro. O-B on a beat.